Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Alana, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to CT REIT's Q1 2020 Earnings Results Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during that time, simply press star, then the number 1 on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. The speakers on the call today are Ken Silver, Chief Executive Officer of CT REITs, Leslie Gibson, Chief Financial Officer of CT REITs, and Kevin, Kevin Salzberg, Chief Operating Officer of CT REITs. Today's discussion may include forward-looking statements. Such statements are based on management's assumptions and beliefs. These forward-looking statements are subject to uncertainties and other factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from such statements. Please see CT REIT's public filings for a discussion of these risk factors, which are included in their 2019 MD&A and AIF, which can be found on CT REIT's website and on CDAR. I will now turn the call over to Ken Silver, Chief Executive Officer, CT REIT. Ken? Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. We're very pleased to welcome you to CT REIT's first quarter 2020 Investor Conference Call. This is also our first virtual conference call, as Leslie, Kevin, and I are observing social distancing by calling in from separate locations. We hope this goes well, and also hope that you and your families are all healthy and staying safe. Yesterday, we released our 2020 first quarter results, and Leslie and Kevin will touch on highlights of what was another strong quarter. Probably more importantly, given the the unique circumstances we're all living through, They will share some actions we've taken that will have implications for the current and future quarters. For my part, I'd like to focus on some higher level themes that are relevant to where we are today and where we're going. From the REIT's inception in 2013, we have consistently described ourselves as reliable, durable, and growing. At first, beginning with our IPO roadshow, I would have described these words as aspirational, but over the past six and a half years, Our focus has remained on them as our strategic foundation and guideposts. A measure of our success over that time is reflected in an unbroken track record of annual distribution increases. So where does that leave us today when the world is facing previously unimaginable challenges? In the simplest terms, the strategic objectives we have pursued from day one put us in a strong position to weather the storm and plan for a post-COVID future. Our reliability is grounded in the large portfolio of primarily single-tenant assets leased to Canadian Tire Corporation for terms that average almost 10 years, amongst the longest in the sector, and provide predictable annual rental growth. Our core competitive advantage is our privileged relationship with Canadian Tire, our majority unit holder and most significant tenant. The Canadian Tire brand, nearly 100 years old, has succeeded through the Great Depression, the Second World War, and every economic cycle and business disruption since then, continuing to grow along with Canada, 
meeting the needs of Canadians from coast to coast, and always with a truly local approach that resonates with its customers. I have no doubt that Canadian Tire will emerge stronger than ever from this pandemic with a clear understanding as, as to how to leverage its unparalleled store network and supply chain, its digital properties, including its website, apps, and Triangle Rewards Loyalty Program, and consumer credit offering to compete successfully and grow market share. We will continue to benefit from our relationship with Canadian Tire, which provide, provides such a firm foundation to our enterprise. Our durability is grounded in the strength of our balance sheet and our ample liquidity. From the time of our IPO, we have worked to make our balance sheet and financial metrics stronger, reducing leverage, reducing our payout ratio, and driving more conservative debt coverage ratios, to the point that our financial position coming into the crisis was amongst the best in the Canadian REIT sector. Leslie and Kevin will provide further details on what we have done to bolster our already strong financial position and reduce risk with the primary goals of navigating the current economic disruption and emerging well-positioned for the future. Over our history, we have delivered attractive growth in adjusted funds from operations per unit and net asset value per unit, both driven by solid organic growth in additions to our portfolio. There's no question that delivering growth in this environment, however long it lasts, will be a significant challenge. Nevertheless, with over 95% of our revenues derived from investment-grade tenants and with the contractual growth built into our leases, we are well insulated. Our rent collections through the crisis so far are amongst the highest of any REIT in the sector across all asset classes. At the same time, we are committed to working with those of our tenants who are truly wrestling with survival. And as we do in all things, we are taking a long-term and conservative approach to improve the chances of these tenants emerging from the downturn. We genuinely believe in retention as a landlord's best option and are working with our tenants to improve their odds of staying in business. To this point in our history, our deliberate and conservative management of the REIT has succeeded in delivering attractive financial results. It has also positioned us well coming into this unprecedented crisis. Never did we imagine such a deep and global interruption in economic activity. Yet in consistently steering away from acquisitions or developments that were priced to perfection or large relative to the size of our balance sheet, combined with our focus on quality net lease assets leased to investment grade tenants, we have built in resiliency. We have been opportunistic at the margin and have selectively invested in particularly attractive value-add opportunities, whether a redevelopment project where, where we have leveraged tenancies with Canadian Tire and other banners, or the Canada Square property at Young and Eglinton in Toronto, which we believe to be one of the best located redevelopment sites in the country. Several years ago, as some in the REIT sector turned to significant programs of mixed-use and high-rise development, we decided to remain on our own path a path that provides visibility to predictable results in a business model less challenging and risky to execute. We viewed CT REIT with its high-quality assets and investment-grade tenants as Canada's premier net lease REIT, a unique positioning and business model within our sector. CT REIT's core attributes have never been more relevant for our investors, 
This means continued focus on leveraging our key competitive advantage, our relationship with Canadian Tire, to deliver over time the reliable, durable, and growing results that have always been our core purpose. With that, I'll turn things over to Kevin. Thanks, Ken. Uh, good morning, and I hope you're all keeping well. As disclosed in our press release yesterday, in the first quarter, CTRE completed the development of a Mark store in Bradford, Ontario, and the development of third-party pad buildings at two existing REIT properties. We also completed the acquisition of a further one-sixth interest in the Canada Square complex located at the corner of Young and Eglinton in Toronto, Ontario, thereby bringing our ownership interest in the property to 50%. We are very pleased to have increased our ownership level in this premier redevelopment site as we continue to advance design development for the property. In total, CT REIT invested approximately $42.6 million in these previously announced projects, which added nearly 155,000 square feet of incremental GLA in the quarter. In line with the REIT's focus on preserving liquidity as we navigate our way through the COVID-19 pandemic, we have opted to cancel, delay, or defer all non-committed and non-essential capital expenditures at this time. All projects that are currently under construction will continue and will be completed once construction can restart in any provinces currently impacted by a shutdown. At the end of the first quarter, CT REIT had 19 properties that were at various stages of development. These projects represent a total committed investment of approximately $222 million upon completion, $76 million of which has already been spent, and a total incremental gross leasable area of just over 1 million square feet, nearly 95% of which has been pre-leased. Over the next 12 months, the REIT anticipates spending roughly $80 million on furthering and completing these development projects. As at March 31, 2020, CT REIT's occupancy rate was 99.4%, which was slightly above the occupancy level as at Q1 2019 and year-end, primarily due to the temporary lease-up of a portion of the 11 Dufferin Place Southeast property in Calgary, Alberta. With respect to the impact that the current crisis has had on property operations, there have been many measures put in place by various governmental and public health authorities across the country that have limited the ability of some of our tenants to conduct their businesses. As a result of these actions, tenants representing approximately 96.5% of annual base minimum rent fulfilled their financial obligations to the REIT on May 1st, compared to 97.2% on April 1st. Tenants comprising approximately 6.2% of the REIT's annual base minimum rent are not open and remain closed until further notice and tenants representing another 33.4% of the REIT's annual base minimum rent are now operating on a limited basis. This includes 132 Canadian Tire retail stores in the province of Ontario that are owned by the REIT and that are servicing customers only through curbside pickup, e-commerce home delivery, as well as through their auto service centers. We remain focused on preserving occupancy levels within our portfolio and doing our part to help our tenants through this difficult time. The impact that this pandemic has, is having on our tenants is dependent on the nature of their businesses. As such, we have attempted to remain flexible in determining the optimal strategy to fairly and equitably support each of them through this crisis, including assessing the availability and potential benefits of government-sponsored rent relief measures on a case-by-case -case basis. With that, I will turn it over to Leslie for a review of our financial results. Thanks, Kevin, and good morning, everyone. I will also provide an update on the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic following my Q1 results remarks. We are again pleased with the Q1 2020 results that CT REIT has delivered. In the quarter, we reported diluted AFFO per unit of 25.4 cents 
an increase of 3.7% compared to 24.5 cents per unit in Q1 of 2019. Diluted FFO per unit increased 1.7% to 29.3 cents versus 28.8 cents in Q1 of 2019. Um, sorry. Reported net operating income increased 6% in the quarter compared to the prior year. The primary contributor of the 6% NOI growth was the acquisition of income-producing properties and properties under development completed in 2020 and 2019. Same-store NOI increased by $2.2 million, or 2.4%, in Q1 2020 compared to the prior year. Same property NOI increased by $2.9 million, or 3.2%, compared to Q1 2019 and was driven by several factors, primarily from the contractual annual rent escalations of 1.5% on average contained within the Canadian Tire Store leases, which contributed nearly $1.1 million to NOI growth, as well as from the intensifications completed in 2020 and 2019, which contributed roughly $720,000. And lastly, the recovery of capital expenditures and interest earned on the unrecovered balance added $420,000 to NOI growth, though the interest component of the recovery is less than in prior quarters due to the decrease in the prime rate of interest on which the interest portion of the recovery is based. With our continued lien management structure, G&A expenses amounted to 2.4% of property revenue versus 3.9% for Q1 2019. This decline was primarily due to the decrease in personnel compensation trustee fees due to the fair value adjustment on the unit-based awards, and the decrease in the service agreement costs as a result of the new ERP system implemented in Q2 2019. The interest covered ratio increased to 3.43 times as of Q1 2020, compared to 3.35 times the same period in 2019. Turning to our balance sheet, we continue to be focused on maintaining liquidity. Our balance sheet remains strong, and we are in a stable financial position as of March 31, 2020. We have $294 million available in our bank credit facility, as well as $20 million in cash. During the quarter, we completed the refinancing of the mortgage secured by Canada Square, which now matures in 2023. Subsequent to quarter end, we also reset the rate on five series of Class C LP units totaling $252 million for a five-year term at 2.37%, commencing May 31, 2020. These Class C LP units are held by Canadian Tire Corporation and the interest rate was determined in accordance with the terms of the limited partnership agreement and set at 200 basis points above the spread above the benchmark Government of Canada bond yield rate. With these transactions completed, the REIT has no further debt maturities until the second quarter of 2021. CT REITs indebtedness ratio was 42.7%, with no change from year-end. The indebtedness to EBITDA FV ratio was a solid 6.85 times at quarter-end, lower than the 6.94 times reported at year-end 2019. In addition, as of March 31, 2020, the book value per unit was $14.60, reigning quite consistent with the year-end value of $14.61, despite the fact that net income during the quarter included a $24 million negative fair value adjustment on investment property, primarily driven by the COVID-19 pandemic. Before I turn the call back to Ken, I'd like to add a few remarks to address the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and how we think about our financial flexibility. I would emphasize that while CT REIT's objectives remain intact, 
the priority at this time is preserving liquidity. We have provided a combination of rent deferrals and abatements for the months of April and May to a portion of the 3.5% of tenants who did not fill, fulfill their financial obligations on May 1st. We also are reviewing the various government relief programs to evaluate how we can find the best outcome and maximize the benefit for our tenants. As Kevin mentioned earlier, we have canceled, delayed, or deferred all non-committed and non-essential capital projects. And the $80 million of capital we anticipate spending in the next 12 months can largely be funded by a retained cash of $55 to $60 million per year and the $20 million of cash we currently have on hand before any need to use our bank credit facility. We also took advantage of certain property tax deferral programs to further preserve our cash position and assist our tenants. The REIT continues to have some of the strongest financial metrics in the Canadian REIT sector. As of Q1 2020, the REIT's portfolio was 99.4% occupied with a conservative 77.6% payout ratio and was over 97% unencumbered asset base on a $6 billion IFRS value. And lastly, the REIT's debt to gross book value was approximately 43% and there's a total of roughly $315 million in liquidity between our underground credit facilities and cash on hand. This positions the REIT well to manage through these unprecedented times. And with that, I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy and I will turn things back to you, Ken. Thank you, Leslie. With that, I'll turn the call back to the operator for any questions from our listeners. Thank you. At this time, I would like to remind everyone in order to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We ask that you please pick up the handset or step close to your speakerphone system when asking your question to provide maximum audio clarity. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. The first question is from Himanshu Gupta with Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you and good morning. Good morning. Uh, for the May rent collections, uh, almost 97% uh, collected, similar to the last month. Are there any specific segment or categories of tenants which did not pay, like restaurants, etc.? cetera? Uh, thanks, Amanchu. I'm going to pass that question over to Kevin and let him uh, speak to it. Sure. Thanks, Kevin. Hi, Amanchu. Um, as you'd imagine, you know, we have about... Uh, 95% of our uh, tenant base that consists of what we would describe as either essential services or uh, Canadian Tire. So it's really, uh, you know, the other almost 5% we're, we're talking about here. Uh, and, you know, obviously any retailer that uh, their business has been closed uh, as a result of the government uh, requirements uh, has been impacted and their ability to pay rent has been similarly impacted. So as you'd imagine, restaurants uh, fit uh, a portion of that segment. Um, retail apparel, um, cinema, uh, gym uh, would all would all be comparable uh, from that perspective. Got it. And then on collection from these tenants, uh, how do you plan to uh, provide for, let's say, bad debt reserve in the financials uh, based on your discussion with these tenants? And uh, and sounds about that you are offering around two months of rent deferral. Uh, will that be enough uh, for some of these tenants and do you expect them, uh, you know, paying back after 60 days? Um, Himanshu, well, he, sorry, go ahead, Ken. Uh, Himanshu, maybe I'll just give you uh, 
sort of a, a high-level um, discussion, then I'll, I'll pass it back to Kevin. So, I mean, first of all, just recognize that, um, as Kevin noted, that the ancillary tenants represent uh, a pretty small proportion of our overall portfolio. And that has a couple of implications for us. One is, first, obviously, the, the potential total impact um, of, uh, of them on our results. Uh, but also given the relatively small base of ancillary tenants we have, it gives us an opportunity to truly engage with them uh, on a case-by-case -case basis. So Kevin and his team uh, have been speaking with our tenants. Um, in some limited circumstances, we've, we've gone straight to abatements to give these tenants some hope, frankly, and visibility to a path back from the crisis. I can tell you, um, you know, I've heard from the team that we've had a couple of tenants who broke down in tears uh, when they got that news, and it's just a reflection of, you know, the fragility and uh, uh, that some tenants are experiencing. And we think it's important, um, you know, to allow the tenants, as I said, some hope uh, that they hang in there, in there and try to uh, try to reopen. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the numbers aren't huge for us, and um, but at the same time, we don't have absolute clarity at the moment to how it all shake out, how, how long this will last, how much help these tenants will need, what the implications of um, any emergency rental support programs uh, might have for us, uh, for our tenants. Um, with that, I'll, I'll, I'll ask Kevin or Leslie to, to chime in and see if they had anything else they wanted to add. Kevin? Yeah, the only, the only thing I'd add to that, Ken, is, you know, we, we've been taking a pretty uh, pragmatic lens to the situation from the outset. Um, and really, uh, as we mentioned in our comments, um, uh, believe in retention as, as the best strategy. So um, I think uh, uh, from a retail landlord perspective, the leasing market coming out of the crisis is not going to be strong. Um, we're not sure, obviously, where market rents are going to trend. So, you know, the extent to which we can offer terms to our, pay, uh, our tenants in terms of uh, either repayment or, as Ken mentioned, select abatements. Um, we felt it was incumbent upon us to um, uh, help them weather the storm and, and, and get through uh, this, this crisis so that um, they can be there to pay us rent on the other side of it. Sure. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your perspective there. And maybe last question on the IFRS cap rates, uh, almost no movement on a quarter-on-quarter -quarter basis. Uh, can you provide any color there? Uh, does the cap rate change for any subcategories, let's say for third-party tenant portfolio or industrial portfolio? And uh, given that, you know, what we are seeing in the market, uh, like the collection numbers for multi-tenant portfolios for market in general, do you think that will have uh, some kind of cap rate impact for the retail properties post-COVID. Um, Himachu, with Ken, and you know, with respect to the second question, it's a little bit uh, premature to fully uh, understand the implications uh, of the crisis. Uh, you know, given that the core of our portfolio are single-tenant assets, uh, we think that's the category um, of, uh, of asset that will hold up best and are most optimistic about those uh, from, a, from a valuation perspective. Um, with respect to the first question, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually ask uh, Leslie to comment on, uh, on what we did um, uh, in the quarter. Sure. Thanks, Ken. Um, 
Kamanshu, re regarding some of the, the subcategories, uh, and you mentioned uh, sort of multi-tenant properties, we, we do have a, a sort of a handful of what we say is sort of enclosed uh, regional shopping centers, um, and, and we did make some changes and uh, did take some write-downs on those assets uh, through a combination of uh, cap rate changes and increases to sort of vacancy in those uh, models. Um, and uh, so we did take into the factor that those tenants we feel will have the toughest time and uh, there's some potentially sort of missing cash flows and uh, you know, they'll be most strained in that area. Whereas in the remainder of our portfolio, we have significant um, portfolio of sort of single tenant Canadian tire stores. Um, we really felt that uh, you know, the, the underlying businesses were still performing and that at this point in time, it was premature to take any sort of significant change in value for those assets. But obviously, we'll continue to monitor things uh, during the second quarter and as we get more information um, leading into Q2. Sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. And really appreciate And I'll turn it back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Sumaya Saeed with CIBC. Please go ahead. Thanks. Morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, uh, morning. Just to follow up on, um, I guess, rent deferred versus um, abatements agreed to to date, do you have just a, a rough split of how much uh, went towards deferment versus uh, abatement? Um, Sumaya, I'm going to ask Leslie just to uh, speak to that one. Sumaya, uh, I mean, right now we're really, it's a really small position of our whole portfolio. I mean, it's a, it's a subset of 3.5%. Um, you know, whether, whether it's a half a percent here and there, um, you know, isn't really not going to make any difference. So we're really going to sort of stick our higher, stick to higher level on that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, whether we debated the rent or whether we deferred the rent and have to consider some bad debt expense against that, potentially we're kind of end up, you know, potentially in, uh, you know, a not too wide a range. So really it's just a sub subset of those sort of three, three and a half percent of people that haven't paid. Um, and it's really small for us. Okay, that's fair enough. Thanks. Um, and what is the uh, payback period for the rent that's been uh, deferred to so far? Kevin, do you want to uh, speak to that one? Sure. Um, typically, it's a, it's a two-month deferral uh, with a six-month repayment. Uh, the timing of when those six months begins differs slightly by tenant by tenant, though. Okay, thanks. Um, and just lastly for me, um, have just the discussions around, I guess, Canadian Tire's interest in the REIT and their intention changed at all since the shutdowns went uh, into effect? Hi, Samai, it's Ken. Um, I really couldn't speak to, you know, Canadian Tire's uh, intentions with respect to their their ownership uh, position at this point. I'm, I'm not aware of any changes uh, one way or the other. Thank you. That's all for me. I'll turn it back. Thank you. Thank you. Again, as a reminder, please press star then the number one on your telephone keypad to ask a question. The next question is from Tal Woolley with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Morning, Tal. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to ask about uh, some of the operational questions in terms of how things will um, restart, so to speak. Um, is like in terms of your dialogue with public health, like is that um, dialogue primarily with the landlords, or is it with the retailers about how to operate going forward? 
Like who, who, who sort of bears the public health responsibility on this? Um, Tal, it's a great question. <laughs> um, you know, clearly every jurisdiction is taking different uh, approaches to reopening and setting different rules and whatnot with respect to that. Uh, we certainly have been keeping in touch uh, with, um, with RealPAC, the, uh, the industry organization that's, you know, kind of representing uh, the various asset classes. Um, and, uh, and we'll certainly be following whatever guidance we get either from, from the public jurisdictions or, or industries or peers, uh, as well as working with our tenants um, to understand how best to reopen safely. Okay. And have you had much dialogue with, um, you know, I, I know you've only got, you've got a very small mall portfolio and stuff like that, but have you had much dialogue with the tenants there just about what they would need, um, you know, in order to get opening back up? I'm just thinking about like if there's extra security needs or supplies, things like that. And then how are you sort of handling all of like those types of requests are these recoverable they non-recoverable like I, can you just give any focus on or give any color on that leslie do you want to speak to uh some of the property management aspects in the mall portfolio sure thanks ken hi tal um yes i mean right now the initial dial dialogue with the the customers is really you know as kevin mentioned talking about their rent and, and what's going to happen to them um, I think more in, in the background as we get more clarity on uh, reopening, particularly in Ontario where most of them are closed, um, you know, we, we will look to things like security and supplies and what they need. Uh, you know, really the lease will dictate what is actually recoverable uh, from those tenants. Um, you know, we may be able to provide assistance in procuring things directly, sort of on a direct chargeback basis to them, but, you know, typically things like, you know, security of things that happen in the common area sections of the mall is recovered through the common area maintenance part, so that would form part of that. Um, but if people needed individual supplies and other things to assist them in getting going, um, then uh, we'll be able to work through our other channels to uh, help those tenants open as uh, quickly as they can and uh, in a safe manner. Okay. And then do you have a sight line on when uh, the Canadian Tire dealers in Ontario will be able to reopen? Are you hearing any, any are you able to provide any clarity on that? Um, Tal, uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't provide you with any clarity on that beyond, you know, what, uh, what the province of Ontario has been saying in terms of their daily press conferences and whatnot. Um, so, uh, I guess we'll see how that unfolds. Okay. And then just lastly, um, you know, when you started the REIT, uh, I think it's been, what, seven years now, um, you know, you had uh, created this portfolio of leases with an average, weighted average rent increase across the portfolio. Seven years out now, when you look at, um, you know, where the rents are for the individual stores, how many do you feel are at market above market and below market like are do you feel confident that everything across the board is in the, you know sort of at market or um and like granted it's hard to establish what market is right now but i'm just wondering like seven years out like how do you feel about where rents are among those individual leases tell certainly uh coming into the crisis i would have said that certainly uh the rents were at or below market um you know, we'll have to see how things unfold in the, in the fullness of time. Um, 
and you know, and I can look to Canadian Tire's same store sales track record, with, which has, on average, exceeded the uh, the annual rental growth. Um, you know, to feel reasonably comfortable that the rents remain, you know, kind of in line. Um, but you know, we'll have to see how things unfold, and and we'll, you know, we'll continue to do further analysis. Okay. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Nikki Shi with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Uh, I was just wondering if you could please comment a bit on the discussions you've had with Canadian Tire regarding rent payments going forward for stores that are both open and closed, and um, how do rents on the new leases with Canadian Tire compare with the existing rates? Um, well, we haven't had any discussions with Canadian Tire with respect to um, with rents going forward. So um, my assumption is they'll they'll fulfill their commitments in the leases. Okay, great, thank you. And um, you've previously discussed potential acquisition opportunities surfacing. Um, would you be able to provide an update on your outlook there and the trends that you're seeing in the market on that front? Well, generally, um, right now the outlook's a little bit cloudy, but uh, overall I would say we're, um, you know, given the strength of our balance sheet and uh, we are optimistic about um, the universe of, of potential opportunities. I don't know when we'll have, you know, better visibility into values and, uh, and transactions to tell you exactly when, you know, we would pick up our, our investment pace again. Um, but it's certainly something that, you know, we're thinking about not only how do we get through the crisis and manage through the crisis and work with our tenants, but what does recovery and growth look like afterwards? Okay, great. That's all for me. Thank you. I'll pass the line. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Jenny Ma with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Jenny. Can you comment about the business level of Canadian Tire in Ontario um, post the reclassification and non-essential versus what kind of business Canadian Tires outside of Ontario are doing? I'm not sure if you have insight into that. Uh, Jenny, I couldn't comment on that. Uh, Canadian Tire is reporting on May 7th, Thursday, so um, we definitely look to their disclosures. Okay, sounds good. Um, also on some of the development projects, it looks like there were a handful that were pushed out about a year. So I don't think that falls into the category of the development projects that, you're, that haven't started and you're pulling yet. So I'm just wondering um, what was behind the delay in those timeframes? Is there anything outside of what we'd expect given the current environment? No, uh, you know, basically, you know, when the crisis hit, uh, we worked with Canadian Tire in terms of the development schedule and, and uh, you know, I think both entities were looking to manage liquidity. Uh, so we work cooperatively on the timeframes for some of those projects. Um, Kevin, anything that you would add to that? Uh, no, those, those are, uh, I think uh, the ones you're referring to are all store expansion projects, uh, which typically have a shorter construction timeframe. Um, so likely those would actually be ones that haven't started construction yet. They were ones that were in, uh, in the pre-development stage uh, in terms of entitlements and approvals. Um, 
and obviously there's impacts in terms of when uh, those uh, store expansions would come on stream in terms of uh, seasonal openings as well. So, uh, like Ken said, just working closely with Canadian Tire uh, to reslot those into a, a later date at this point. Okay, great. And then my last question is in relation to the drip. Um, you're one of the very few REITs left with one. And just given where the, the unit price is, have you had any discussion internally about what to do with that, or are you happy keeping it in place? Jenny, uh, we did think about it. I'll ask Leslie to answer that one. Thanks, Jenny. Um, and I think, Jenny, first of all, the, the drip for us is a relatively small piece. Um, Canadian Tire and their unit ownership don't participate in the drip. Um, you know, and obviously with the, you know, pair back in uh, unit prices, we've also seen um, their drip participation uh, greatly tail off in the last month. So a lot of people have opted out of uh, the drip given uh, where things are priced. But, um, you know, I, I think for us, uh, you know, the, the rest of our non-Canadian tire um, unit holders, we have a, a large uh, still share of retail unit holders. Um, and this is fundamental and uh, a key part of their investment strategy um, that they continue to reinvest the money in the drip just, uh, you know, as they look at the dividends. So I think at this point in time, you know, the, any kind of changes to the drip are really, really small for us. Um, you know, and turning it off is just not something that um, we think is prudent to do at the moment. Okay, so is it fair to assume that the drip participation will go down in Q2 then? Because I actually would have thought maybe the opposite happened, um, given no, where the stock price is at, but perhaps we'll need liquidity. Yeah, and that's it. It's really, I think, driving liquidity. So we've seen it actually um, drop considerably, at least you know, in the month of, of April. I, I can't say for the, the May or June participation, but April um, is uh, decreased over our historic participation, um, and I think really it is all liquidity-driven. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Okay. Well, I guess that's a partial offset to some of the uh, the dilutive impact. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, that's all for me. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. The next question is from Johan Rodriguez with Raymond James. Please go ahead. Hi. Um, just for modeling purposes, could you tell us what the incremental either in a dollar figure or percentage basis, spend either the proper expenses or GNA would be for, you know, extra cleaning or staffing costs, anything COVID-related? Um, no, and maybe I'll ask Leslie to answer that one. I'm not, I'm not sure it's a huge number, but I'll, uh, I'll let her no, know. Yeah, I figure it'd be small, but... Yeah, Johan, um, at the vast majority of our centers where they have a stand on Canadian Tire, it's the actual tenant Canadian Tire, the actual dealer, that actually bears all those costs, so they will pay for all those directly. Um, the only cost that we would see really go into potentially a cam pool or something else is um, perhaps at a few of our multi-tenant centers or some of our enclosed shopping centers. Um, and, and quite honestly, it's really too hard to predict really how long and to the extent of what they, they may need right now. Um, you know, there's possibly obviously offsets because, you know, some of our occupancy costs have gone down as some of the centers have been closed. So, you know, if they come up again in the next couple months when they're reopening, they could easily offset during the year too. So it's, it's just too hard to predict the sort of the net incremental um, that that could be. Okay. Okay. Thanks. I'll turn it back. Thank you. Thank you. If there are no further questions at this time, I will turn the call over to Ken Silver, CEO, for any closing remarks. Thank you, operator, and thank you all for joining us today. 
We welcome you to join us later this morning for our first virtual annual general meeting to be held at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. We also look forward to sharing with you our second quarter results expected the first week of August. Let's hope by then we have all returned to some semblance of normal life. In the meantime, please stay healthy and safe. Thank you. This concludes today's call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.